This is this is the verse I heard when I stood up here. The fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Fervent. See, fervent is more than just a prayer. It's a fervent prayer. It's not hard to put words together and have a good sounding prayer. And there are many that pray noble prayers. But they come to God absent of a heart that seeks Him, absent of a heart that loves Him, that fervently desires His will, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The enemy has a way over days and over weeks and over months of lulling people into complacency. Lulling people into lackadaisical walk with God where every day is like the next every month is like the last every year is like last year on and on it goes it's like a weed that you never trim and every day it gets a little bit bigger and it steals a little bit more and a little bit longer and before you know it you take over your garden and there is a complacency that the enemy wants to, that he's trying to sow. He sows seeds too. And he's sowing his seeds of complacency in your heart. And it is our job, ever say my job. It's my job. It's my job to make sure that the fervency and the, the fire is stoked in our heart. That we don't become complacent it says, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed. And there is a way and a flow to the world. There is a tide and a, and a flow of the world that everything goes a certain direction. Everybody's mindset goes in a certain direction. Everybody's beliefs go in a certain direction. Everybody reads the same books and listens to the same people and goes to the same services. And that just flows in a direction. And the Holy Ghost is calling you to buck the trend. He's calling you to go against the flow. And, and if you do not persist, if you, even if you stand still, you, you may not even be trying to go. It'll take you. Because the flow of the world takes your mind and takes your thoughts and everybody's thinking the same thing and saying the same thing. And, and, and it's, it's just, in some ways, it's kind of like a puppet show. People say things in the world, they don't even know what they're saying because they heard somebody else say it. If you will hearken to His voice, if you will listen to Him, if you will stay fervent after Him, He'll take you out of the world and He'll change your heart and there'll be a fervency that overtakes your walk. But don't let the enemy cover you with complacency and a lackadaisicalness and a que sera there is an element of your choice that's only yours. And even God can't do anything about that. Everybody hear me? Even God can't do anything about your choice. That's why you're respected. That's why I, he had to go through all of these hoops to get you a choice. Make the choice. fervent prayer. Everybody say fervent. The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There's prayers in here that were fervently prayed and they were answered. There's also prayers in here that were prayed in fear, that were prayed in doubt.
your heart is the garden that you keep. Don't let the world keep it for you. Amen. Amen. Well, I guess you can be seated. Just play, just play for a minute, yeah. And just stay in an attitude of receiving. There's one other thing. <laughs> Cares and burdens have a way of latching onto you throughout the week, right? <laughs> you knock them off and somehow they jump back on. You knock them off again, they jump back on. We've done this not, not too long ago, but we're going to do it again. All of the care and the anxiety, whether it's, whether it's stress that you perceive about your family. Maybe you got family that's not living right. Maybe you have situations in your family. You know, there's all kinds of things that happen with, with money and with relationships and possessions and choices. The car is not doing what it's supposed to. You know, all of these things that come and burden you. They demand that you fix it. That's not what your job is. God is your father. He gets to fix it. Amen. When you were in the world, you had no father. You had no father that took care of you anyway. See, and so it's good advice for the world. You tell the world you need to fend for yourself out there. They need that advice, but not you. You've been born again. You have a father, God, and he's going to take care of you. So every single burden and care that you came with today, that has been on you throughout the week. I want to just take a moment and we're going to choose. Everybody say choose. choose. We're going to choose to cast those cares on him because he said he'd care for us. Amen. Now we don't cast responsibilities, but we do cast worry and care, which is how you perceive those things. Let him bring you solutions. Listen and obey. All right. So, Father God, just lift those things up to you right now. Hold them in your mind and speak them out with your mouth as I pray, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, you know the burden on every single heart here. You know those burdens that have latched to them like leeches through the week that drain their relationship with you, that drain their life and daily effort. They, they, call, they cause a grog and a fogginess and a weariness, and they bring people down over time. And Father, I loose them from those things and we choose to be free of the cares and the worries and the anxieties. The storms may come, the issues come, but we choose to see them in faith and not in doubt and despair and fear. In Jesus' name, let's all say this together. I choose to cast the care of all of my worry, all of my situations, I cast that care and I trust you Father that you have a solution and I'm listening as your child for the answer I promise I will obey your instructions and you will help me loose myself from these burdens in Jesus name Amen I say amen. All right. Thank you, honey. <clears throat> you know, he said, um, come and learn of me. You know what your job is as his child? You only have one job. He says, take and learn of me. Put my yoke on you, right? Put my yoke on you. My burden is easy and it's light. <clears throat> See, when they would yoke up, if you're going to teach an oxen, kids can go downstairs, yes. And youth, yes. Youth too. <clears throat> if you're going to teach a new ox or a new cow how to be a good ox or cow for you, you yoke the young one up with the old one. Because the old one who's been through all of those seasons that knows every turn, that knows how to, to keep going when it doesn't feel like keeping going. It's been a long day. Well, we still have a little bit more to do. You yoke up the young one with the old one. And that old one will drag it along if it's not wanting to go. <laughs> it'll push it. It'll teach it. 
because it's yoked together. You see that picture? You're yoked together. And he says, take my yoke on you. In other words, yoke yourself up with Christ. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. And the instruction he gives, come learn of me. Come learn of me. So just as a, a new ox or a new cow or, or, or whatever you have yoked together, whether it's a horse that's plowing, the younger learns from the elder. And Jesus is our elder brother. Amen. So you yoke up the younger with the older, they learn from him. And, and your job in following God, there's so many times where you think you need to handle something. And it presents, anybody get presented with situations that say, I demand a, a response right now. <laughs> sometimes they actually do. Sometimes it's just the way you perceive them. Sometimes it's best to just wait a month, not do anything. You believe that or not? And see, what Jesus said, he says, come learn of me. Your responsibility, your responsibility is to learn of him. <clears throat> Something I'm more free of now and I'm still getting free of is taking on false responsibility. False responsibility is something that gets offered to you that you have a choice whether or not you take it or not. And uh, I mean, you have a choice regardless. But false responsibility are things that come to you that if you are susceptible to them, you choose them, you choose to take them on, they dilute and steal the purpose and the vision that God has for your life. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll share real quick before we go on with the message, but my wife and I uh, and, and mom had a wonderful week in Tulsa this week. It was stretching. Everybody say stretching. <laughs> it was stretching for both of us. Uh, it was a wonderful week. It was great. I mean, there was no, I have no complaints, but you know, it's a new environment and Natalie was able to worship in a, in a new setting with new and, and a lot of people and, and I had to preach. And so that was new for both of us. We had a wonderful week. We're glad to be home. And uh Glad to have the kids home. It's, it's always a little less stressful when the kids are home. <laughs> Anybody say amen to that? See, But it, it was stretching for us and it helped us grow. And, and that's part of following God is growing. <clears throat> and, and it's okay to be stretched and to grow and for God to push you in new areas. But one of the ways that the enemy steals from you is that he presents you with a burden and he convinces you, I've got to put this on me. I have to pick this up. And here is the absolute truth. This will set you so free if you actually believe this. And not only believe it, you apply it in your life. You have zero to do that doesn't come from God. I hope I said that right. <laughs> you have absolutely nothing you need to do that hasn't come from God himself. No man, no family, no burden that comes to you has to be received unless God's the one that sent it. Now, let me, let me back this up with scripture a little bit. Do you know that God has called you, if you have a family, it's your job to be a father or a mother to that family or to take care of those children. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. So, don't anybody take what I say and say, well, I, I'm called to be. And so many, so many families have been sacrificed in the sake of ministry where fathers or mothers, they leave their family and go do the Lord's work while their family is just torn to shreds. I don't care how many people you get saved. You, you shouldn't be sacrificing your family. Amen. But there is no responsibility that comes to you that you have to receive. If God didn't send it to you. <clears throat> okay. I'll just share this. At this church, in this place, where we're at, I try to be as sensitive as I can to hear what the Lord is telling us to do. Right? And there have been times in the past, in the past where there have been ideas that we've received, and I'm not against ideas receiving them, but, but everybody has the right to say yes or no. 
Okay. And there was ideas that was given to me, and this has been years and years ago, but ideas given to me, you ought to start this up. You ought to start this up. You ought to start this up. Well, one of those, okay. Take it, make you happy. Take another one, make you happy. Take another one, make you happy. All of a sudden, you're the only one that's not happy, <laughs> and you're burnt out. See? The Lord has to be the one to inspire the calling. And there is so much, this is not what I had planned today, so I don't know, we'll, praise God. <laughs> He's, it's his service, right? It's his service. There is so much abuse in church. I'm not saying they don't do good. But the, the, the normal operation of churches, this is the normal operation of churches. Uh, you've come to our church, let us tell you what we need, and you're going to fill that role. So we'll harness you up to our vision. We'll harness you up to what we want to do. Uh, we absolutely need you. If you've been here for a couple of weeks, you need to get in a small group. Once you go through that process, then you're going to be the leader of the small group. And we'll just reproduce this. And you ought to be part of a Bible study. You ought to be doing this. You ought to be doing that. And there is a balance to this, okay? There's nothing wrong. I think everybody's a member of the body, and it doesn't just mean a body is bigger than one organization. It's the body of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> but there is so much abuse that gets seen in churches where they harness you to what their will is, and they, they take God's place. They stand in God's throne, and they tell you, this is what you're called to do. Now do it. We have a place for you here. And, and they harness you up to make that church better in their name. The, what a church is supposed to do, what a church is supposed to be, is to not hook all of the people up to them, but to hook all of the people up to the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? The church doesn't know what you should do. No man knows what you should do. I have no clue what all of your callings are unless he tells me. So if I don't know what you should do, why should I create programs and environments and obligations that require you to do something that God hasn't called you to do? So the church is set up in such a way that pleases the flesh. It pleases man. It creates a good organization. It's even fun to be a part of. But it doesn't get God's will accomplished and the obligation that's presented to you is that you're part of the body you need to be doing this maybe they don't maybe the mother with three kids shouldn't be volunteering her time you don't know what the situation is there is in their life their best solution is to receive the holy ghost and to spend time in prayer and to listen and obey for their calling what if their calling takes you outside of your church? What if your calling takes you outside of their church? What if they are called to be a member of the body somewhere else? Nobody wants to hear that. Right? <clears throat> There's so many times where talent, everybody say talent. Talent is recognized in an individual or strengths are recognized in an individual. And what a church will do is they'll see the talent, they'll recognize the ability, they'll recognize the strength, and they'll just promote based on talent. And they'll say, you have this ability, come, come, come. When did talent become equal with character? When did talent become the only thing we exalt? What if somebody's got a better heart to preach but is a little bit afraid? I'd rather have somebody that quivers up here and stutters but speaks the truth than somebody that's full of pride and is going to go take off a group of people into, a, into error. See, there's so much of what the church has usurped in authority over the head, which is Christ. No man, no institution, no body has the rights to give you responsibility. Accept the responsibility to be obedient to the truth of the word and to be obedient to the voice of the Holy Ghost. 
And if the Holy Ghost tells someone they need to move out of the church, ideally the same Holy Ghost would confirm to the authority that that person needs to go. Everybody with me? He's going to have to lead me in this because this is not the train of thought I had. (laughs) The way the church is supposed to function. Okay, let's go to Ephesians. Chapter 4. All right, we'll start in verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But unto everyone, say everyone. That, that means you, right? Everyone means everyone. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended What is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave. Everybody see that there? Who gives this? Jesus. He gave. There is no degree program on earth that can call you to the ministry. Somebody's listening to me. I don't know who it is. There is no degree program on earth that can call you to ministry. It doesn't matter if you are a fisherman with no formal education. If he says you're an apostle, you are apostle. He's called you to it. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the perfecting, that same word perfecting in King James, a lot of times it's synonymous with maturing, right? The maturing. So like as children are grown up, they are matured in a family. The body of Christ is supposed to be a family of parents that nurture children to be parents, to, be, to nurture more children. Do you see the, the process here? God wants to replicate the life of his son in every single person on this planet. That's what he wants. So he has the parents of the body, which is the ministry, growing up the children, okay, for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying. Now, edifying is, that, that word edifying is to be built up. So if you're building a building, you start with the foundation. You build walls, you grow it up, you build it up, and, and you make something, okay? It's for the building up of the church. And what is the end goal, okay? So the, the ministers, the ones we have, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, he outlines what the ministry gifts are in this scenario, but this is not every gift, and you'll see that in other places. Not everyone is called to ministry, and I, let me just make it real plain to you. There is absolutely nothing that ministers have on anybody else. They are not one iota better than any other calling. And I'll put it this way. An apostle is not better than a teacher. Prophet is not better than a pastor. It's like saying your toaster is better than your blender. At what? <laughs> They're not called to do the same thing. They're both needed. Everybody see what I'm saying here? You have to have pastors. You have to have prophets. You have to have apostles. You have to have teachers. They're all part of the one body. <laughs> He uses you as an example, the body of Christ, for a reason. Because all of you is all of you. I can't stand here without my feet. But my feet don't get jealous of my face. (laughs) Every single part is needed, seen and unseen. You see my face, but if my kidney wasn't here, I wouldn't be standing here. (laughs) 
And the body of Christ is the same way. There are seen parts and there are unseen parts, but they're absolutely necessary. And, and we like to think in some of the some others that may be called to certain ministries, they think they're more important than others, you know, and they'll ask you questions that tr try and put a value on you. Well, how many people did you get saved today? You know, the evangelist, that's his calling. You know, he walks down the road and gets 10 people saved without even trying. That's his calling. How many people did you get saved today? Well, one <laughs> last year. <laughs> Anybody else been there? Now, I'm not saying that you should, if you're afraid to share your faith, that's a different issue. We're not talking about that, okay? But I am saying that God will put you in places to fulfill different functions than other people. And so apostles are not better. It's not like a graduation. It's not like, mm, okay, I, I appreciate you, teacher, but apostles here today. <laughs> that's not how it is. You know that most of the church doesn't believe that. They don't believe that. It is a hierarchy. It absolutely is. There's, there's so many apostles out there in, in Tweety Bird yellow suits and fancy shoes. Think they're better than everybody else. <laughs> I think Paul would say, look, my suit is the whips I got on my back. That's what I'm wearing. What are you, <laughs> what, what's your apostleship again? <laughs> anyway. He gave, he gave. If he gave it, then don't be dissatisfied with it. He gave you your calling and it is vital. It is absolutely vital that you keep it. One of the ways that the enemy brings traps in our lives is we get insecure about what somebody else is doing and we try and do it. I, I want the admiration that that part of the body gets, so I'm gonna try and emulate that. And you spin your wheels trying to emulate something you're not called to do. <clears throat> and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. This is the end goal, till we all come. And, and why write this if it's not possible? I mean, if you look at the state of the church today, you'd be like, mm, not going to happen. He said it could. He said it could. This is the, this is, I mean, if God orchestrated his church to be like this, don't you think it's supposed to work? And it can. It can work. And this is the end goal, that till we all come in the unity of the faith. <clears throat> I, I've, okay, I'll read it. I'll just read it because I keep stopping myself. <laughs> and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature. Everybody say mature unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, he is not saying that all of us together, if we really try hard, if we add all our efforts together, we might equal one Jesus. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He is saying all of us will come in unity and have the same faith, we'll have the same heart, We'll have the same knowledge of the Son of God. And he is saying that we will all, everybody say all, mature. We're all going to be perfected or matured to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He did not come to give you lesser life than his. He came to give you his exact express life. So when he came to give you his exact express life, it is the duty of the ministry to grow that life up to maturity until when you stand in front of somebody, it is as though the life of Christ is standing in front of somebody. That when you pray, didn't he say the works that I do, you'll do also? That's what the maturing of the body of Christ is supposed to be for, that, you, that, the, that the ministry grows up the children to go out and be Jesus to the world. And not all of us together, but every single person is expressly made in the image of Christ. And he's saying, look, this is the reason the ministry's here, that we all come in unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Every single one of you have the potential on the inside to sit in the measure of the fullness of Christ in your calling whatever it may be, to do what others cannot do. 
And there is a measure of grace. That's the way it's phrased here. A measure of grace that's given to every person. A measure of grace that's given to every person. Somebody's measure of grace may be to deliver the word and teach. But even amongst those that can talk in front of people, or as that calling is given, there is those that are called not to teach, but to exhort, or to prophesy, or to evangelize. And even amongst those that don't, there are causing callings to, to be businessmen. Do you know, the vast majority of the body of Christ, they're out in the world and they are supposed to be evangelizing those they work with. They're supposed to be Christ in the marketplace, Christ in the, in the music industry and in the culture and in the schools. And this is, this is the, what Jesus had in mind. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or mature man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He has called all of us to be in unity and he has called every single one of you to grow up to the measure of Christ. That's what it's saying. That we henceforth be no more children. See this in context? That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Those that are blown about with wind of doctrine, do you notice that he creates or he associates them with children? It is children in the word that are blown around by winds of doctrine. Let me describe winds of doctrine to you. If you have a bookshelf full of Christian books and you can pull them out and they are irrelevant, it was a wind of doctrine. <laughs> I don't know if... Oh, yeah, okay. I'm just, I'm just making sure it's okay. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but... It's, um, I'll just share this. When I was younger, there was so, and there still is, there's so, so much talk about the return of Christ. And, and it's not wrong to live like he's coming. He is coming. <clears throat> but there are so many winds of doctrine that steal, steal their life, steal their voice, I mean, when you cry, the end is near every day. And you claim this and you claim you know that. And things that Jesus expressly says, you're not going to know. And you're <laughs> it means what it means. If he says no man knows the day or the hour, it just means you don't know the day or the hour. It doesn't have to mean anything crazy different. You don't know when he's coming back. So stop trying to put your pin on the day. I can remember thoughts of, well... Growing up, I can remember thoughts because I'd hear these guys and I can remember thoughts like this. Well, I don't know if it does me much good to even do good in school. I don't know if it does me much good. I mean, I doubt I'll even get married. I remember having those thoughts. I doubt I'll even have kids. Jesus will come back before I get do any of that stuff. And it steals it destroys, and it brings a lack of credibility to the body of Christ. Winds of doctrine that blow through, that are not founded in the Word of God. If you look at a book and you can read it and you know that it's not relevant anymore, take note, that was a wind of doctrine. <clears throat> Winds of doctrine. Another wind of doctrine that's pervasive in the church right now one of them that's come through is that Jesus, everything that Jesus said, this is a belief that many grace preachers and some of them are very popular on TV. And you need to recognize the wind of doctrine when you hear it. One of the things that many very popular preachers say is that the words of Jesus were only to the Jews. They're not for you. 
You can read it in their books. They say, well, his message was to the Jews. He wasn't actually teaching to us Gentiles. So everything written in red, you have to take it in context. That's not really for you. Everybody say, a wind of doctrine. <laughs> Do you know at the very end, he says, well, our church is named Great Commission Church. Do you know what the Great Commission is? The Great Commission commands us to make disciples of every nation, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've taught you. Thus saith the Lord. Winds of doctrine steal. They destroy. They take you on rabbit trails for years and years, and you find the end of them, but it costs you. And then you find, and see, the thing is, if you never grow up, if you never mature, you always, the devil will give you a new rabbit trail. <clears throat> and he'll give you a new one, and he'll reinvent it. See, We're called to grow up past, past that. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to see but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. This is, don't take these verses for granted. Don't let the enemy lull you to sleep about what's possible. This is possible for you. Well, look at what it says. May grow up into him in all things. All things. Which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body, see, it's not my job to get you to fit together. It's my job to teach the word in the capacity that I have it, okay? But it's his job to fit the body together, okay? And we really strive, and it's sometimes to our own hurt, I'm <laughs> just being honest, to our own hurt, we strive not to put any kind of pressure on anyone to do something. Because we're not going to stand in God's place and be God for you or tell you what you ought to do. We give you the instructions that we know is required to have a relationship with God. Listen to his word. Obey what he says. Spend time praying in the spirit. When you spend time praying in the spirit, you are praying out not your will, but his will. And when you pray out his will, guess what? It's a prayer that's his will. He's gonna answer it. <laughs> and when he answers the prayer of his will, he's working all things together for your good. And when he's working all things together for your good, that includes what you're called to do and the part of the body you're supposed to be. So if you spend time praying in other tongues, it is impossible if you spend time praying in the spirit, praying out the mysteries, interceding for yourself when you don't know how to pray as you ought, that's what the scriptures say. If you spend time praying, he's working out all things together for your good. So he knows what the mind of the spirit is for each and every one of you, the calling that he's placed on you. So it is impossible if you let him pray for you, you will not eventually know what you're called to do. I don't know what I'm called to do. Perfect, that's why the Holy Ghost came. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in prayer until it grows up on the inside of you and you can't miss it. That's what I've seen happen. A lot of times, and, and, and I'm, I've had the Holy Ghost speak to me directly, but things that are life-changing, they're usually ministries that he's trying to birth in you. They grow up. And the more time I spend in prayer and the more time I spend in the word and the more time I spend in fellowship with him, my calling grows up and I can't help but miss it. I can't help but miss it. I remember when I first started spending a lot of time praying in the Holy Spirit, I was in college and I would try and pray as much as I could in between the classes I had. And sometimes I did a little bit a week. Sometimes I had the opportunity to do a lot. But I would spend time praying in the Spirit in the classes I had. And I can remember, even now, I, I, I didn't know what it was at the time, but I, after I would spend time praying in the Spirit, I would hear my own self preaching. Now, you can say, well, you're a preacher's kid. No, just because you're a preacher's kid doesn't mean you're a preacher. He decides what you're called to do. I didn't decide to come here. He told me to come here. And if I, if he prepared me to come here, I didn't know... Y'all knew I did not know I was coming here, right? 
And I was not prepared to preach here on my own will. He, he set me up 100% to do that. He set me up. He, he trained me. He got me ready to go. And then I had to walk through that door when it came. But I didn't prepare myself to preach here. I don't have a degree of preaching. I didn't do public speaking in college. I took one class, but that wasn't my focus. You see what I'm saying? He prepared me to do this. <clears throat> you don't assume what you're called to do. You let him reveal what you're called to do. And you run off on a 10-year rabbit trail assuming you know what God wants you to do. You're going to get burnt out, and eventually you'll have to come back and listen. You don't need to do that. Just listen now. You say, well, maybe I've done that in the past. Okay, perfect. Listen now. Listen now. He'll, he'll grow you up. He'll steal the time that the enemy has stolen. Listen now. See. <clears throat> that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by under every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love may grow up. There is a growth process. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't fake a relationship with God. You can't wake up one day and just decide you're going to be the member of the body now. You have to grow a little bit. Amen? And it takes time with him. He's the one that grows you up too. It's also the job of the ministers, okay? So there is a respect and, and a listening that you can have for them, but don't let them have. So many of them, they take more than what God gave them. They didn't, God never gave them charge over you tell you what to do. And there was a whole move of that in the body of Christ where people wouldn't sell their homes, wouldn't make decisions about their life unless they submitted it to the pastor. Is he Jesus? No. Okay. To be, to be honest, it's, it's partly the pastor's fault and it's partly the people's fault because people would rather be told this is what you should be doing. And that saves them all the time and the effort of relationship with God to hear for themselves. But it doesn't fulfill their calling, and it doesn't, it's not a supernatural walk. It's not. <clears throat> From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Everybody say every. I, I have you repeat those words because those are important. Every. Every joint supplies. Every single part supplies. It's imperative that they do. It's imperative that they do. Even down, do you know, I, I shared this once before, you get a tiny little sliver. It can be the tiniest little thing. It can be a speck, but it gets under this part of your skin right here. You don't stop until that's gone because this little finger is letting you know we're not at full capacity here, right? Anybody else do that? Every part is needed. You're needed. I don't know what you're called to do unless he tells me. Or maybe there's, and it's good. I love the words that people have given me. I'm seeing this, and they'll give me a part. But they're not God to me either. See, The whole idea is that there is a nurturing up, and eventually. There's nothing wrong with receiving words from people, but the, the idea is that you get hooked up to the vine himself to receive your instructions from him himself. Because there's really... What are you going to do when you can't get a hold of favorite so-and-so who always knows what to tell you? There's, there's going to, and they don't know what they're telling you anyway. <laughs> um, all right. The whole body fitly jointed together and compacted by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Do you see what he's saying? Every person's given a measure of grace and that measure has to work for every part, with every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying or building up of itself in love. You have an individual part, an individual part. It's, uh, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just hearing, I'm just saying what I'm hearing. It's not to, to come to church here. Can we be real about that? There's nothing wrong with services. But the, 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 the plan that God has for every single person is more than one dimensional. It, and there is this 
this, this single dimension that people have with their, their Christianity that they come to church and they go home. The calling that God has for you, it might be associated with this ministry and this operation. I no doubt it is to some degree, to some of you. But there might be parts in the body that are called to other areas. And you attend church here, but you have the ministry of, the, of whatever it is out there in the world. Whether it's, you know, there's, there's all kinds of parts of the body. And there has been this assumption and there has been this false responsibility that is laid at the feet of people. And the church has gladly picked it up. The church has tried to be all things to all people and they try to be the, you know, the food distribution. Now, how do I put this? The true church of Christ is all of us. It's all of us that claim Christ and are being grown up into the measure of every part. It's all of us. Now, Sometimes it gets confusing because we have Great Commission Church, and this is the church, and there is a, an organizational side of things. There's a 501c3. There's, a, there's a, a board of directors. There's all of this legal jargon. But do you know the organic body of Christ is, has nothing to do with walls and has nothing to do with uh, uh, organization. It has to do with every single part playing its role in the body of Christ. And for some of you, that looks like ministries that get no credit. And for some of you, that looks like ministries that happen outside of this church. And when I say this church, I mean this organization. Because even though this church is of itself separate from other churches, we are all part of the one body of Christ. See, it is supposed to be a cooperative effort, not a competition. See, and it is... The, the greatest divisive tool that the enemy has towards the church is false doctrine. I don't care what anyone says, you don't get around false doctrine. He says we can grow in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge. Everybody say the knowledge. See, in, in, uh, in the Old Testament, it says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? See, But I believe that the Holy Ghost is purifying a group of people that is taking him at his word, that they believe the truth of the gospel, that he is still with us. He hasn't left. The Holy Ghost is still here. He's still intending to fulfill the mission that he set out in the beginning He's still wanting to have, give power that each and every one of us be a witness to the world. And that truth is going to bear fruit. And I'm on board. I'm on board as a member of Great Commission Church. I'm on board as a member of the body of Christ whose head is God himself. And I don't care how many people say we're just going to get together in unity, but we can't agree about who the Holy Ghost is you're not going to walk very far with that person. You're not. Just like you're not going to walk very far with God if you say it's okay for me to sin. I'm, I'm, I'm with God. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord? Lord, you don't do what I say. See, I can't find anywhere in Scripture that the Holy Ghost left at 300 AD. I don't see that. I don't find anywhere in Scripture that it was just the 12 that got empowered. There was 120 there at the beginning and they all received the Holy Ghost. And then there was 5,000. And then there was, within, within a couple hundred years, there was millions of Christians. There was a, a, a unity in the faith. He's going to restore that in the body of Christ. Amen. <coughs> Praise you, Father. Okay. We're going we're gonna to finish with this. I started out by talking about false responsibility. The only responsibility that's required for you to pick up is that which he brings you in line with what you're called to do and the directions that he brings you. And false responsibility comes in life by chance, 
but it also is a tool of the enemy to weigh you unnecessarily and dilute your vision. Dilute what God is wanting to use you for. Guess what? The heart's job is not to think. It's to pump blood. Okay? I'm not talking in a metaphorical sense. I'm talking about in a literal sense. <laughs> Everybody's head went to the Wizard of Oz there. <laughs> We're not talking about, the, you know, I don't have a heart. I don't have a brain. All right. Look, look my hand, it's got one job, and it does it really well. It's to grab things. But if my hand were to take on the false responsibility of the foot, <laughs> I wouldn't be functioning quite right. No, I have to. I have to. I have to be a foot for you. You're actually making it worse. <laughs> you're, you're, you're making it worse. Stop it. Stop it. That's not your job. That's not your job. Okay, let's apply it to something else. It's okay to be sympathetic and empathetic about need that comes across your doorstep when you meet somebody that needs something. But you have to be discerning and listening even in those scenarios because the Holy Ghost will prompt you to help those people. And sometimes helping those people means doing nothing. Bear with me. Sometimes helping those people means letting them crash and burn. They've been helped before. It's time to let them stand. You have to listen to the Holy Ghost and not take on false responsibility. Sometimes the gift that you've been given or the calling that you have, its perversion creates weakness. So maybe you have you have a gift of hospitality. That you have a, a motherly instinct to take care of people. And it doesn't just have to be guys or girls, you know. That you, you sense when somebody needs something. Well, you know, that's a gift from God. And he'll use that to speak in your ear and tell you, go help that person. All right? The perversion of that gift, you're up late nights, every night. You're on the phone all the hours of the day. Your house is in disarray. Your life's a wreck because you, you can be pulled on to take false responsibility that God didn't bring you. Let's talk more about this. False responsibility. What's another example? <clears throat> when you learn to take his yoke on you, everything that you do gets filtered through God and not trying to please anybody else. And this is something that, you know, this is, this is something that you work towards. Maybe it doesn't happen today, but you work towards it. Look, as hard as it would be for me, this is, this is just an example, not a confession. My obligation in this post to do what I'm doing right now is not dependent on you or whatever need may be out there in the community. I don't stay here necessarily because of need, lack of it, or a lot of it. I stay here because he said to. And should he ask me to tomorrow, this is the mindset we have to keep. He's Lord and I'm not. We're not doing this for a show or a game. He decides where the body joints and fits together. If he would come in a dream in the night and he would tell me, it is time for you to transition out of XYZ place, okay? And he'd do it in a healthy way. He'd be gracious about it. He'd give you time. I'm just telling you as an example, there is no vested interest you have in a ministry. It's all his ministry. Everything's submitted to him. And it's not my job. See, because he's the head, right? You're not. It's not my job to voice back to him, what about so-and-so? What about this? What about that? What about this town? You're going to just, what about this town? Is he Lord or is he Lord? See, and if he gives you a direction, whatever vested interest you have has to be put aside. Say, I'm willing to leave this and do whatever you're telling me to do. 
That's the kind of submission that he's, he's asking of the body because he's the one that puts it together. And when you take on, even in a calling or in a role that you've been given, if you take on false responsibility, something he's not called you to do, you'll stay for the wrong reasons or you'll do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. And it's a trap because the enemy can come in and bring a need to your door that will keep you in disobedience. Everybody see what I'm saying? Is it, am I making sense? I'm trying not to be real specific because I want it to apply to everybody, but I'm trying to give examples where you can see that the level of submission that God has for every person, he's the one that puts that body together and decides where it goes. He wants, he wants it to work like it's supposed to work. And he gets to decide when you leave and when you go and where you go. It's, it's up to him. <clears throat> False responsibility. Oh, okay. One verse and we'll be gone. I, I promise. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Be turning to one of the Gospels. That's all I know. <laughs> it's one of the Gospels. I'm going to look it up here. Go to Luke chapter 17. Verse 7. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By and by, when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me, till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant, because he did the things that were commanded him? In other words, this, this guy's been working all day in the fields and the master's at home. He's saying, look, the guy, when he comes in, he doesn't feed himself first. He still feeds the master and then he goes and feeds himself. And he says, does he thank this servant? And he says, I trow not, which is King James for no. <laughs> no, he doesn't. So likewise, see, likewise. So likewise ye, when you, when you, shall have done all those things which are commanded of you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. Now, he's not saying, he's not diminishing you. He loves you as children. But what he's illustrating here is exactly what Paul said. You are members of the body in particular. We're unprofitable servants. We're doing what we were told to do. Do you know, I'm so thankful I don't get any arguments from my feet. I'm so glad that every time I want to pick something up, my, my hands don't say, are you sure that's safe? Are you sure that's safe? Could you imagine your, your hands had a mind of its own? Now, your hand doesn't have any eyes, right? But every time it questions, it assumes it does. Are you sure that's safe to pick up? What if it was hot? What's if it's hot? You remember that last time we picked something up, it was really hot. Are you sure? You trust the eyes to see and the hands to pick up. See? He's saying the same thing. Or we are unprofitable servants. Each and every one of us have a role and a duty to fulfill. You're not called to be your own mind. You're called to submit to his mind. See? And when you find that place and you relax in it, and do the part that he's called you to do, there is freedom. There is an easy, light yoke. Because you have been found doing what you're supposed to do, and you let him take care of the rest. Somebody's ministry is to the feed everybody in this town that doesn't have food. That's somebody's ministry right now. But it's not everybody's ministry. You hear what I'm saying? Don't take on false responsibility. Listen and obey and hear what he has for you to do and you'll find your place and that body will fit together and you'll fill that part and we'll have revival. That's the end goal. Everybody say amen. 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 Well, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have chosen the grace and the position and the gift that every single person has here. Teach us as your children how to fall into that place that you've called us to do, not to not to try and be envious of other gifts, not to try and question what you know, but to trust and to move and to obey 
and to do what you've asked us to. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your patience, that you love us, that you're long-suffering with us. And I thank you, Father, that as everybody continues to submit and, and hear from your spirit, that that leadership is going to grow up and the vision and the calling that they have won't remain a mystery. I thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit precisely, precisely to reveal our part in the body. You know what we're called to do. You know our blueprint like no one else does. We choose to submit to you to, for training, for teaching. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. I have to, leave, I have to just end with this. If, if you, don't, you say, I don't know what I'm called to do, spend time praying. Please spend time praying. And, and pray more than an hour. Pray, pray, pray all the time. Pray in the spirit every day. Pray, pray, pray until that leadership grows up and you start to see things. See? Amen. All right. God bless you. You're dismissed.